Hi, it's Mark Aflalo on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield and myself. Thank you so much for taking a listen to this podcast. Do us a little favor if you would. If you love the show, give us a five-star review and don't forget to follow us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. We appreciate it and we love doing the show for you guys. Without further ado, here's today's episode. This is your tech report. We are back on your tech report. Thank you guys so much for being here. He is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles, Mark Aflalo in Montreal. If you're not already following along with us, what are you waiting for? It is wow. at your tech report on all our social media. I'm extremely aggressive today, Mitchell. Why? Didn't sleep much last night, but extremely excited to be here on this show Dude, with you. You know, I, I don't want to hear that. I got my second COVID shot yesterday, so I'm whatever achy, and I'm gonna milk that. Don't take away my achy thunder. No, I'm taking away your COVID thunder. I haven't even had one vaccine yet. All right, then I'm not going to Welcome to you. Canada. You know yeah, how you all, you know how about four years ago when you had a new president, you all wanted to move here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, be careful what you wish Times for. change. Anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, um, you know, Mark, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with our listening audience, both on YouTube and of course on Sirius XM, where you can hear us every week, shameless plug inserted there. Um, my love for board gaming. Okay, now we, we know, you know we talk about video games, and that's something. If you listen to the show all the time, or even every once in a while, we hope you listen to it all the time. All the time. Uh, Mark and I both are video gamers. We both, you know, have consoles, and we both play online. I mean, so that's something that's obvious, especially on a tech show. But uh, something about the analog aspect of board gaming, the the in person element, uh, that just the human element that really drew me, and I loved it as a kid, and now I'm rediscovering it as a giant man child. So. We wanted to talk about, if you want to talk about board gaming, we brought in one of the top board game designers in the world, Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games, and um, he talked to us about the influence of technology in the board gaming space. And it was, it was really, I had, of course, I had a blast doing this. And, you know, what did I do, Mark? First thing I did with our guest when he came on, I immediately shamed and embarrassed him by blaming him for my board game addiction. And you even commented on uh, it at the time. I think it's totally like, rational. It is. And, yeah. and really, you know, his, his, his great board game designs are a part of the problem that I gravitate towards. So it is kind of his fault, but I wasn't really blaming him. But the other thing that I have in board games that I love, uh, in addition to great game design, is beautiful storage for board games. I'm a sucker for storage, especially the storage that comes from a company called Game Trays. And if you don't know Game Trays, if you're a board gamer out there, you already do know. But if you don't know, Game Trays designs these beautiful custom inserts that not only organize your games for like putting them away, but they also make them easier to get to the table and to get the bits all ready to start. It's really amazing. So Jamie heard this in the interview. He's like, hey, afterwards, he said, hey, if you love Game Trays, I know a guy. He's like, I know the guy who created Game Trays. We worked together on some Stonemeyer games. And would you like to talk to him? I was like, uh, yeah. So what are we doing this week? It's going to be another double barrel board gaming fun. But this one, I think you're really going to also enjoy for different reasons. He is <laughs> the founder uh, and something like this, founder, CEO, the miracle worker at Game Trays. He is Noah Edelman, Edelman joining us right now. Noah, is it a decent intro? Um, that was great. Wow. You're, you're, I mean... you're kind of a renaissance man, so I didn't want to mention everything just yet. <laughs> let it let it out slowly yeah <laughs> it's, it's going to be a slow burn so <laughs> for folks that aren't familiar with you that are not familiar with uh game trays uh talk about yourself how you came into the space um your experience and then of course creating game trays which is now i think i'm sort of making an understatement really blowing up all over the world in terms of the games that you're in so give us the full noah edelman experience yeah do that in 30 okay. seconds if you can go yes i, I, I... <laughs> I have done this several times over the years, and I've <laughs> been honing this little speech down to a tight, <laughs> tight 30, 45 maybe seconds. Oh, take but, as many. Take 48 seconds. We don't care. Go for it. Okay. Oof, that's the long version. All right. So 
I'm an engineer. I went to school for computer engineering and I've always liked building things and designing things. So that's always been a part of my life. Uh, after college, I started a company doing uh, computer programming and web design. And I got into board gaming around that time, like mid early 2000s and just played games a lot and did my company. Uh, during that time, I got a, a, a client for uh, uh, that was miniature market which is a big online retailer for board games and they were my client doing marketing for them uh, after 2008 happened and my website business started to go down i sold that company and went directly to work with for miniature market uh, doing their marketing uh, full-time so that really got me into the industry like meeting people and things like that and i've always had this idea in my head there's so many bad inserts in games there's got to be a better way right I'm already buying either Ziploc bags or complicated, expensive Plano boxes that, you know, don't always fit everything right. Or this, I have to split it up into two spots on this one piece. But that was back in the day when games just came with nothing. Just punch out the boards, do what you will, figure it out kind of thing. Or it came with, you know, a tray that was last minute thought. Even the good ones back then were like, well, it's almost good. You know, it doesn't do everything. Right. <laughs> right. This we'll one piece doesn't fit in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the last thing that you think about in a game design because, you know, you just want to make the game. But uh, it's always the last thing, and that's always right before it, you have to launch the product. So, and another thing is you have to wait until the end to do all this because you have to know all the pieces and measure them and make sure they all fit. And it's production exactly how you thought it was going to be when you're designing the tray. Um, so after Miniature Market, uh, I went to uh, work for a company in the thermoforming industry. So I started making, designing packaging for just products. Um, and with those three things combined, I was able to use the equipment of my thermoforming company after hours. So I would design trays and make the molds myself and use the equipment to make the trays, Let's put them on Board Game Geek and Five years later, that's all I do full time. Well, it was only one year after that that I started doing it full time, and did did all, everything in my garage. So it was all done by me and design. But this was back in the aftermarket days. So these game, these would be games that are already out uh, that need some storage or need something that will help you play the game better. Well, you know what? I wanted to talk about that. I'm only cutting off because I want to talk about the transition because there is a certain point where, you know, you see the need for something. That always comes back to me like necessity is the mother of invention, right? You see something that doesn't have an elegant solution. And I use elegant when referring to your stuff. And I know you tease me about that and I can take it. Um, but it is very elegant. And I think board games do need that elegant solution. And like you, I was sort of blown away. There are certain companies, I, I'm not going to out anybody or name name names or anything, but it, it, they, it rhymes. It sounds a lot like Fantasy Flight. And mm -hmm. um, you have these great games in these boxes that basically have a little cardboard in the middle and then you dump like you said you dump and it drove me crazy to see that um, yeah. but there had to be that transition from you know what I'm going to design stuff that people can use in their games and, and organize something that, that had a very bad solution to companies now coming to you and saying you know what we want your inserts as part yes. of the game before it comes to market so talk about that transition yes. and at first of all that must have changed your workflow and changed your entire MO it kind of changes everything right Exactly. That happened uh, about 2014 or so. There's a big gaming convention. Maybe Jamie was talking about it on his side or during his interview. But uh, Gen Con is a big oh, yeah. board game 
mm -hmm. uh, convention in Indianapolis, and it's every year in August, except last year. Um, and I went every year, and in that year was the second year of Game Trees, and I booth space is very expensive at Gen Con, so it's you know eighteen hundred dollars for wow. one ten by ten, and you know I, I couldn't afford that back then, so I had a friend who had a booth, and he gave me one little small table in the back of his booth to lay out my three Game Trees. Um, <laughs> And I had a shirt made and uh, someone comes up and is looking at the trays and he's like, hey, do you ever think about doing gate trays in the game like, for, to come in every copy, like working for a publisher? Like, sure, why not? That sounds good to me. Let's have a meeting. Next day, we have a meeting at uh, uh, the hotel and he's like, here's an NDA. I'm like, okay, sign that. <laughs> and he's like, hi, I'm Chris. I'm with, I'm with Riot Games and we're doing a board oh. game version of League of Legends. <laughs> so, and that's Mechs versus Minions, which oh, is yeah. right, right there. So Mechs versus Minions was uh, is a board game based in the League of Legends world uh, produced by Riot Games. And that was a year of my life designing the trays for that game. And that was the first big one that you did? That was the first any of them I ever did. Oh, dude, talk about trial yeah. by fire. And, if people, and if for people that, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of laughing at this, but I also feel bad because for people that know this game, mm -hmm. um, first of all, the game is absolutely stunning. I, I, they sell the game for around $80. I don't know how they're able, I guess, you know, Riot Games are able to do Riot it, right? Yeah, so the, the name and the, uh, you know, of course, the, the IP is, it speaks for itself. So, uh, but I saw this and it's sort of, I likened it to market. You've never seen this game, Mechs versus Minions, but when you open this box and mm -hmm. it, it's like, and, and if Jamie Stegmar is watching this video now, he will appreciate this, this reference because it's like looking at a beautiful box of candy that has multiple levels. And every time you think you're done with the beauty, you pull it open and there's another level of storage that is just the storage is as beautiful as the game bits themselves which are actually already beautiful so, but how does that how is that your first because that has got to be like one of the most complex ones you've ever done it is one of them yes for sure and it was like yeah i can do it for sure <laughs> what I, have and, i done <laughs> so uh, that got me into working with publishers and once that came out and got published a year later a year and a half later um like, and it was one of those, it was another thing was I couldn't talk about it. It was the only project I've ever had, even to date, uh, with all the ones I'm in now, uh, that they wouldn't let me talk about it. So, um, was there, until was, they launched it. Was there a point in time before that experience where you realized that you were onto something and there was a following that was a little bit like something clicked in your head going, okay, this, this could be my life. Yeah, I didn't know it could be my life, but I knew I had something uh, and I know why it hadn't been done yet. I figured it out basically because of knowing the thermoforming process and how trays are made and when and then learning the board game production process of the publishing, designing, testing and then going to production and how that uh, those three, those things together and why it hasn't happened yet and why no one is doing it is because it's really hard <laughs> and you have to do it a hundred percent or it's, it's, it's totally useless. So, um, and the board game industry publishers don't have the engineering expertise because you really need to be a mechanical structural engineer to do this thing right because you have to design the tray for the mold making process for the thermoforming process and uh, then obviously for the production 
Now you talked about having the equipment at your, obviously your employer at that point yes. and being able to use that. When did you graduate? When did your mind did you graduate and start getting stuff at home? And and I want you to walk us through the process. I know you're going to show us some stuff oh, too. Oh, it's so cool. So yeah. for you goes those you're listening on the radio, you're going to want to head out to YouTube and check out yeah. this video afterwards because I'm curious what that process is like. Yeah, so uh, the thermoforming process is basically vacuum forming. Uh, it's uh, different than some other plastic processes like injection molding where the plastic's melted and then pressurized and injected into a mold. Uh, vacuum forming or thermoforming, you start with a sheet of plastic, it's already in a sheet, and you just warm it up until it's flexible. And then the vacuum sucks it down to the mold. Uh, this is a, a mold, a sample mold uh, of, a, of a tray. So this is a tray, for instance, right? Oh, I have and this, some of those, and this yeah. is a mold. Yeah. So this mold is a sample mold, prototype mold. The best comparison, I guess, I can give to those who who aren't watching right now, or you know, when you get your teeth molded, right, is that you uh, you get the mold done, and then they make a mold out of the mold they just made, and <laughs> right. then they're using that to create, obviously, the actual end result. It's it's complicated. Yeah. It's com sounds more complicated than I think it is. <laughs> exactly. The overall process is is simple and straightforward, but you need specialized equipment to make molds like this. Uh, you need a CNC mill, which are expensive and uh, heavy and uh, hard to get and hard to maintain. And uh, I just happened to find one on Craigslist for $5,000 right around the time I was starting it. And I'm like, let's do it. Uh, got that thing forklifted into the garage and started making molds. So I had to learn how to make molds. Um, then the, th the thermoformer machine itself is actually a pretty simple you know, idea of, of a machine. It's basically just an oven that warms up the plastic and then you uh, somehow get the plastic over the mold, bring the mold up and then turn the vacuum on and you got a part. Put a fan on there to cool it down after it's done, pop it off, do it again. Um, so I found another thermoforming company that had an old sample machine uh, that were, they were selling for $3,000. And uh, I said, I'll take it, put that in the garage. And that's all I needed really to get started doing the aftermarket stuff myself. So uh, I left the thermoforming company and just started doing it all in my garage and selling them on my website at the time. You, you so know what? Back then, I had about three. Yeah. You had, I had about three. I had about three products uh, right. back right at that time. And then three that games that were popular. Yeah, sorry. And and I think to say that that continues to grow exponentially every day, every week is sort of like the great understatement. Oh, definitely. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to continue with Noah Edelman uh, right after this. It is your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flalo. Stick around. Your tech report will be right back. This is Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo with you. We are talking to Game Trays designer extraordinaire Noah Edelman. Mitchell, before the break, we were talking about obviously getting things into the game trays themselves. In your mind, you're also tetrising together the bits to try and put it in the most, you know, the cleanest form factor so the boxes don't end up being so huge. Because for a lot of gamers, you know, they have that IKEA. You know, they have that yeah. IKEA shelf that fits that yeah. traditional yeah. game board box, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of manufacturers like to stick to that form factor because it's easy to store, not only for a person, but also at retail to be able to display and stack and make them symmetrical. So for you, that process of having to Tetris and how do I put these bits together, that's got to be something that will keep you up at night. Well, I definitely dream about making trays, so that's. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that problem later, but yes, no, that's got it's, it's got to be part the tough one of the toughest parts getting yeah. everything in there. Yeah, and the only way to do it is to get uh, the company, the publisher, to send me a spreadsheet of every single component. 
uh, all the dimensions and sizes and quantities. And then what I do is I take that and I build every piece in 3D in my software and then build the trays around all the pieces. So oh, that's I stack, I build a piece, stack them up and then build a, a thing that will hold that one wow. piece. But then also <laughs> I have to know about the game, right? So I have to play the game. I have to see what's I would do to make this game better to be set up or play on the table or put away and make it come out 15 minutes faster. Because if a game's on the shelf that you really like, but you know it takes 30 minutes to play to set up, you're not going to do it as much as if it, you won't, if you knew it only took 10 minutes to set up. Yeah, that's you know something I didn't even think of is that you know without playing the game, you're just designing a storage bin. But exactly. playing the game, you're designing something that can be used throughout the process plus storage. It's really it's really an interesting angle I never really even thought of. And that's another thing, uh, because a lot of the, the trays are made by the production, the old trays and other trays that aren't game trays today are made by the production company. And the publisher says, can you make a tray that fits this stuff, but do it cool? And they're like, sure, whatever. And then they just don't know because they haven't played the game. I mean, they may have great engineers on the team, but if you don't think about it in a way that the gamer would want it or that someone playing it would want the tray, it's really another nice try but you know it's it's not you have to hit all these points 100 otherwise the tray is uh, is not good or not useful well you know what no they're also and if you just join us by the way we are talking to the the founder and ceo of game trays he's no no i keep on i can't even say your name I'll, no Adelman. it's a covid shot no no it's, this time I, this time it wasn't your last name this time i said noda like noda. your yoda's Ooh. brother uh Ooh. noah edelman <laughs> no i do know your name Noah. we've talked a few times uh, from game trays so we're talking all about the process how he goes about designing and implementing those designs um there is also that moment where okay the companies come to you they say, make this work. Here's what we have. Please, Noah, work your game trays magic on this game. See, I said your name right. Noah, it'll, it'll, yes. it'll, it'll. Um, uh, make this work. But then again, there's that transition yes. where you start going back to the companies and saying, no, no, no. If you want this to work, here's the box that you have to, here's what right. you guys have to do to make this work for me. Exactly. And again, that's not a power play. That's a logistics, that's a logistics okay. fix. But there exactly. is that transition from, hey, I'm going to make this work for you where, no, no, if you want me to do this right, you have to make this work for me too. And that's a pretty yes. big change, right? Yeah. And I was able to do that pretty well, just because being an engineer, you have to constantly uh, explain, you know, why you're doing something or why you did something a certain way. Uh, so uh, definitely box size is one of the main things, but also component sizes, component uh, types, thicknesses, things like that. Uh, educating the publisher on what things to look for with different production companies, because we've worked with so many production companies, probably over 20 now, uh, that each of them are different, right? And then they say two millimeter cardboard, and this production company actually is, is 1.5 millimeter cardboard, but they say two. And this company is actually 2.1 millimeter. So when you stack up 50 tiles in a row, and they're all two millimeter, if it's two, it's got to be a slot this big. If it's 2.1, the slot has to be this big, or you're not going to fit three of them in there kind of thing if you have 50 in a row. So that kind of stuff is making sure that the production company knows it needs to be this exact thing. Uh, it's just a whole logistics thing and basically just knowledge of how to get it done right so you don't have to do three versions of the tray and delay Absolutely. shipping ever more even more well let me let me ask you this have you ever had an instance uh in the workflow going back and forth where you felt the components that a game manufacturer a game publisher was using 
would not hold up. The quality of the components would not hold up to the quality of the game trays. Because the game trays are really well made. The inserts are made to perfectly hold things. Did you ever have an instance where you felt the bits that the company was making for you to store elegantly uh, was not up to par to actually, you know, would not hold up to your game trays? Is that something that ever happens? No, not really. Okay, Uh, cool. That hasn't happened. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. Way to kill that question. Uh, I'm Mitchell Whitfield, and I will see you next week on your tech board. No, go ahead. Nice, nice try. Nice try. But I, I think because uh, it, I would say that Game Trays as a brand is more of a luxury uh, top, you know, luxury part of a game. Uh, it's they're not they're not cheap um, to make, or they, they are cheap to make. It, once you have the mold so that's another thing that we could talk about but like plastic uh is cheap to have but the tool uh that you need to make for it is expensive so uh that is why there isn't more people like me that's why there's a lot of other insert companies that use wood or laser cut plastic or cardboard because they can do it uh, without any tooling um with a custom tray that's a tool. I've got to do this and this. If I went to someone tool maker in the in the U.S. and said, "Just make the sample tool," it might be fifteen hundred dollars just for this. Oh, and wow. the final tool, which is aluminum, the final tools are made out of aluminum, uh, and it's probably like seven on one tool, like something this big. That could be twenty thousand dollars for a tool like oh, that. Oh wow! So that's why it's the barrier of entry into the plastic world is the tooling. Um, so. I forgot what I was talking about before that. I don't want to be in the position of like asking you to to pick your favorite child here when it comes to <laughs> yes, you uh, are. You does work. it to no. everybody. I, don't let him pick your. You do yeah, not. I heard that. I watched the Jamie episode. You I know, know. But, okay, so you know what's you know what's coming here. Uh, and when I talk about pride, it's not just everything that you do there. Everything that you do looks beautiful and obviously works flawlessly. And but there had to be a couple of games, or maybe one in particular, where you got everything and went, "Holy cow." Um, how am I going to make this work? Because there were limitations in terms of what they could do on the production side, what you could do on the design side. And then you, when you finished it, you were like, all right, I'm pretty amazing. Look at, look at this. I didn't think it could be done. And look what I did. Is there, yeah, did you ever have time. a project like that? Every, every time. I mean, like, how did I get that done? Like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of games that, that I've done that have like player mats and like cardboard that interfaces with the tray so it it makes it a 3d kind of experience where you can put things in dwellings dwellings does that absolutely um there's uh tricarion has been a really really beautiful tray that i'm proud of obviously it's kind of hard to go and not say max versus minions like you said it's just so even though it was the first when you spend a year on something like that it's uh it's got to be good, right? Oh my God! Uh, yeah, was... and what a way to start! I still can't believe. Yeah, that everything first. back here, everything back here is is game trays inside. This is just part a portion of it because half of the games that I've worked on aren't even out yet. So uh, there's definitely a production cycle. So oh, yeah. and especially since uh, COVID and all the backups of uh, shipping and containers and things, there's a lot of games that are just waiting to get here, kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of games that I'm proud of and. Like another one that was really uh, interesting was Fireball Island. Oh yes, the, Island. yeah, by restoration, yeah. So there was an original Fireball Island. You can maybe see the corner of the tray up here. Oh yeah, there we go. It's up over your shoulder, folks. Yeah, 1988 game. It was only around, but it is a thermal formed island. It's it came <laughs> in a box. It came in a box that was like three feet by two feet, and it was a single 
3D thermoformed full color island, exact same process that I that I used to make trays. And I played that game with my sister pretty much. I made her play it every day with me. <laughs> where you're pushing marbles down this island basically and knocking over people that are on the track. And then uh, Restoration Games decided to reprint it and do a new version of it a couple of years ago. And they hired me to design the uh, island for the new version. So it was kind of cool to be able to take a game I played as a kid and then design the new version 20 years later or 30 oh, years later. Jeez. That's exciting, though. When it's something, when it's a passion project, when it's a game that you loved growing mm -hmm. up and you love playing that game and then you say, oh, my gosh, I get to now be a part of that. That's that's yeah. that's kind of special. That's really exciting. Yeah. That, that, that was, would make that me excited, special. too. Um, yeah. So, Noah, I can't believe we've been talking for close to 30 minutes. It's been close to 30 minutes with us. We can you do thirty more. If we you want. no, please. We you know we have to save something for the next one because you know it can only go to like fifty four oh. and a half. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Uh, yeah, but, we'll do a three part series. Oh, uh, that's, that's the excuse yeah, Mitchell's yeah. getting. Mitchell's getting at is because you have to come back on. You see, this yeah. is this is what we do. We plant the seed, Noah, and then we're like, oh, we had some fun. That was good. And maybe he sent something to Mitchell to play with, and now we need to talk about it a bit more. So you we know get what? You he back said, on. It's he, amazing he, how that works. It's already a package on the way. I, I'm so excited. I cannot wait to store the heck out of everything. And you know what? I, I think I said this. I don't know if I said it during the interview or before we started that, you know, Noah is definitely a bit of a renaissance man because not only is he an engineer and applied his engineering degree to something that you wouldn't think typically would be the application for your engineer, which shows you like what path your life takes, okay? He has, he's on this beautiful piece of property. He has beautiful pigs and ducks and dogs. He has this beautiful hydroponic garden he does. So my thing is, I guess, you know, it's that old saying, if you want something done, if you want something done and done well, give it to a busy person. Because I feel like for you, there's so many things that you have passion about, whether it's the animals, you know, your, where you, I mean, and your work, it seems like you never stop. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's an engineering thing, too, because I always think, oh, I could do something cool with the growing tomatoes. I mean, I can't grow a tomato outside, but I bet if I engineer it and make it automated, I think uh, I can grow a tomato. <laughs> so I spend uh, two weeks making a hydroponic garden in the basement. Oh, and, my uh, God. It's incredible. I do have three pet pigs yep. that live in the house, but apparently... Uh, one pig is all you can really keep in the house before uh, they get a little rambunctious. So you should keep them near the hydroponic garden. Self-sustaining ecosystem, right? I was going to say, not really self-sustaining. It will be gone in a minute, right? Not self-sustaining at all. No, <laughs> they need they need like a full acre of land per pig to be self-sustaining. Oh my god! Oh, wow. But uh, they are awesome pets, and they live outside now. We have uh, Stella, Francine, and the newest Jeffrey, and they're beautiful. They're beautiful, gigantic love beasts. I, yeah, I told you, my, my kids, Mark, you know, my kids saw, you know, Noah gave us a tour of the property and not only, you know, just the workspace, you know, but also just the property in general. And my kids, of course, saw the pigs. And now, of course, they're they're definitely attached. These are, You've got room, Mitchell. You've got space. I have a little space, but not Noah space. Yes, not yes, Noah yeah. space. You that, can move to the Midwest. You know, St. Louis, there's a lot of board gaming community here. You know, I know you. Happy. You're there. Jamie is there. I mean, it would be like uh, I'd have a built-in gaming group. No, no you, you guys would. are going to play with me. You Maybe would. play with me. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> Noah uh, Edelman. Shoot, we got to invite Mitchell again. <laughs> <laughs> Noah Edelman, you are the founder. You are the CEO of Game Trace. You make and design beautiful products. 
you've taken this, I think you've taken the hobby to the next level. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that because, again, when people see these storage solutions, not just consumers, but also companies that need and want your services, it, game trays should be in every game. So, uh, first of all, congratulations on the success because, as I said earlier, I feel like your business grows exponentially. As soon as people see one game, you have more designers and companies coming in. So, I'm hoping that as your business continues to grow, that you're not going to get so big and so powerful that we're going to be too small for you to come on our show. That's that's what I'm dreading that, you know, oh, here you go. We're yeah, growing. Guess, we're growing, yeah. too. No, I know we are. But, you know, <laughs> you know, Noah's, uh, you know, it's very impressive what he has going on there. So I just want to make sure he is going to come back. I'll definitely come back because there's so much more to talk about that we haven't even touched on. So. Oh, my gosh. Noah yeah. Edelman, thank you so yeah. much for joining us. And we look forward to seeing the pigs next time and to having you back yes. on the show. That is Noah Edelman, the founder and the creator of Game Trays. That is GameTrays.com with a Z or a Z, depending where you hail from. On behalf of Noah and Mitchell Whitfield, I am Mark Aflalo. Thank you guys for being here. We'll catch you on the next episode of Your Tech Report. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.